Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey there, Get to Vet, Trevor Maxwell here, and with me, he looks like he's a little happier uh, today than he was yesterday. Still, still bitter, but uh, yep, Mike Griggs is here and uh, got an update from the uh, command this morning and uh, still not happy with it. So, but I'll keep that bitter, the bitterness on a little bit of a download on this episode, but uh, it's still there. But good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this is cool. This is a good, uh, Mike and I, uh, we have a former teammate of ours, uh, another Navy EOD guy. We seem to have a lot of those on there. That's weird. But um, uh, a guy that we've both known for a long time and worked with, and uh, he's doing some good stuff out there in the civilian world, too. I want to let him talk a little bit about his own his own self, but uh, we got Josh Dunce with us today. So say hi to everybody, Josh. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to uh, seeing where this conversation goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, we just had a... For those of you who are listening, we just had a little conversation about, uh, you know, things that have gone wrong with uh, with military transition. And so, Josh, you know, Mike and I, we're retired, so we're kind of under a different sort of set of circumstances. Josh, you didn't retire, but you were mentioning that you were having some issues with the VA. Yeah, uh, nope. So didn't retire. I did 10 years and then got out and kind of did all the things that I was told to do from um, like getting out as far as like getting my disability rating and all that stuff. Um, Ended up getting rated the first time at 90%. Um, So I tried to like go back and kind of fight a few things that I felt I didn't receive proper ratings for to try to get that bumped up to 100% submitted my all my paperwork had like a lawyer and stuff help me so I was making sure I did all my stuff legit and submitted all that stuff over over a year ago now um I just got an update from from him the other day and I was like Mike not too happy with it apparently they shut down for like all of COVID and haven't been seeing any of their cases or anything like that. So he told me I probably can expect an answer nine to 12 months from now. So I'm going to be looking at like basically two years of post submission of my paperwork until I get an answer on whether I'm going to get bumped up. Um, You know, the good news is you get back paid for that whole time, but that's obviously like a large chunk of money that I'm missing out for two years. So not, not too super stoked on that. Oh God. I mean, especially, you know, not just that there's the the other benefits that come along with that as a result of the rating too, that you're, you're having to wait for. So. Yeah. And I'm trying to buy a house down here in Florida. And that's like one of the big things is you don't pay um, if you're hundred percent property taxes when you, when you buy a house down here. So that's obviously something that's like a big, big life-changing deal for me right now with where I am. So yeah, bunch of, bunch of stuff. That's not, not super cool, but um, you know, it is, it is what it is. There's not much I can do about it. So yeah, we had, uh, I think it was like one of our very first episodes, Jose Nicola. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. He worked for the uh, the Wounded Warrior Coalition or Care uh, Was it Wounded? I think it was Navy Wounded Warrior. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was talking because he's in Chicago now, and he was like, "Dude, like that no taxes on my house." He's like, "That saves me fourteen thousand dollars a year." Yeah, you know, Suffolk isn't necessarily as expensive as Chicago, but still, like, I got that, and that saves me five hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's just the principle of it. Like if it was the other way around, they would be coming after you like for every penny that you owe them. So it's like, it should be equal side playing field in my book, you know? Well, the other great thing is too, like in my situation, you have to have your DD-214 before the VA will release the magic number of what your rating actually is. So I think, so I, I did the benefits delivered on discharge, which is the 90 to 180 day window mm-hmm. before your end of service date and got all my stuff done up front. I had an awesome VSO. She knows she, I won't mention her because she did me a lot of favors and uh, <laughs> she's awesome. 
and she still checks in with me. She checked in with me today to see where my D214 was. And I had, I was ashamed. I had nothing to report, but you, you cannot, you know, all my stuff was even uh, a friend of ours that we all know. Um, he and I did our stuff at a similar time. It still got stuck in QTC, which QTC uh, is a, I believe they're a sub of Lidos and Lidos was contracted out by the VA. I believe I could be talking out about behind, but I'm, I think I'm pretty, pretty close on this one. Lidos was contracted out from the VA in order to start moving our claims along a little bit faster, because I believe when I was up in Capitol Hill, there was a huge thing about the backlog on VA claims. Well, then of course, COVID hits, you know, and a lot of people decide to go home and do nothing, which is why I find my DD214 where it's at right now, <laughs> but I'll continue to loop back to that bitterness and dip it into the coffee every now and then. Um, but anyway, you know, some of that stuff can even get hung up at QTC, you know, and I said this before on a previous podcast, you know, make sure you keep all that paperwork and make copies of it because they will lose that shit. Mm -hmm. And then when they lose it, it's going to be your gen med that you had spent four to six hours filling out that paperwork. And when you hand it over to them, the last thing you think is I should have made copies of that. And then when QTC calls you two weeks later and says, you never filled out and turned in any forms to, uh, supplement your uh, exam, that's when you your jaw drops and you're like, dude, I totally knew I should have made copies of that. But, you know, fast forward now, you know, you, you can't use a statement of service. It doesn't matter the one at the end of the, you know, your military service that you can get an NSIPS that says all the same crap that's on the D214 for the most part. Uh, the VA will not give you any of that information, none of it, until you have that D214 uploaded and then they will start uh, letting the genie out of the bottle, but you're screwed until then. Like me dipping back into the, uh, the sourpuss. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> well, you already got your DD214, right? Cause you, yeah. I mean, you got out a while ago. So if, if you worked at the, my previous command, I'd have to, you know, just to check and verify. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, even though it was two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I know that's hopefully we'll keep you we'll keep you guys updated. Check out the uh, the LinkedIn page for updates on the Mike's retirement status. <laughs> so, hey, one of the big reasons uh, we asked you to come on here today too, um, I wanted to chat about who you're working for, right? And because they're doing some cool stuff, especially for uh, you know military service members who are about to enter the workforce. So, well, I'll let I'll let you kind of talk about that. But um, yeah, I'm definitely interested to hear like what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I just recently about a month ago joined the partnership team at shift. Um, and for everyone that doesn't know shift shift is, was founded by a former Navy EOD officer, um, Mike Slaw, um, about, they've been around for like five or six years now. Um, but they're a career advancement company for military members. So, we work with both like active duty service members who are transitioning into the private sector for the first time, as well as like veterans that are already in private sector um, and either looking to like make a complete career change or just work with one of our hiring partners. Um, and basically like if you're an active duty veteran, there's a couple, couple different programs that Shift has that would be good for you. Um, one is the Defense Ventures uh, fellowship opportunity, which is a, an awesome program that was recently launched, I, I believe about a year ago. I think we're going on like our seventh or eighth cohort that they've done of that. But it's basically an opportunity for um, active duty personnel to go internship with either like a VC um, venture capitalist firm or a startup um, for six weeks and kind of deep dive into that industry. And really the the outcome is they want to bring this technology that these companies are developing in the private sector and bring that back to the DOD. Um, so really cool opportunity for active duty surf personnel there. Um, the second one is that SkillBridge internship that we were talking about before we got started. Um, I Hopefully everyone knows what that is now, but if not, it's a 
while you're going through the last up to six months of your transition, you can go and work for a company full time. So the, the military releases you, you basically go TDY to a company, do an internship with them full time for up to six months um, and still receive all your pay and benefits from the DOD. So awesome program, again, for both the company, they get a, a free intern for six months, basically, and the military person to kind of go get an inside look at a company with really um, no strings attached. Currently, we see that as like a super successful program. So about 90% of the people we place into Skillbridge internships end up getting a full-time job offer at the end of that internship. So that's the goal of the program is for these companies to offer you a full-time job. Um, we're seeing really good success with that. And then also... Um, on the veteran side, if you're kind of already in the civilian world, either working at a company that you're not happy at, or you want to make a career change into a different job function, you can apply at shift. We'll, they'll go through a four-week, what we call career accelerator, which is basically taking all of their skills, experiences that they had both in the military and in the private sector um, and relating that to whatever specific job function they want to move into. At the end of that, once their kind of resume and interview preps all polished up, they'll get listed on our software talent tool, which is kind of a new offering that Shift has developed over the past um, about six months it was released. And it's a software platform that all of our hiring partners have access to. And it's basically a pipeline of ready to hire military talent. Um, currently we offer like five, what we call talent spotlights that those veterans would be listed under. Um, that would be the jobs that we find veterans transition best into right now. So sales, customer success, program, project management, um, people ops and HR. And then we just launched, um, engineering and data for people that are interested in like software development as well. And then all the skill bridge eligible um, military personnel are listed on that too. So it's just a really easy tool for like hiring managers or recruiters that aren't very used to or comfortable with looking at veteran resumes. Um, we've kind of made it really easy for them to kind of scroll through um, and reach out directly to those people that are interested in those specific job functions. So that's kind of in a gist of what Shift is doing currently. Um, and there's a lot of other cool projects that are on the works right now that we'll be releasing, you know, over the next year or two. Well, that's good. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the resume one is probably one of the biggest things that, that I've seen too. doing coaching through the honor foundation and you went through THF, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I went through THF and I'm still pretty active, um, as a member on elite meet as well. Yeah. And I know, um, that, you know, that's another great one too. Uh, the networking opportunity. I, I got the app. I need to, I was working on my profile the other day, trying to be more active on that, especially cause they have like local chapters. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of my goal is just to become more active in, in this region that I'm in, especially cause it's, you know, one of the biggest concentrations of military people in the world. So yeah, as far as, uh, like the resume though, that that's a really important one because I see a lot of those. It's one of the questions that so many people have. It's the one that a lot of them are really worried about, right? Because mm -hmm. we all, you know, everybody, when they write their, e eva or, uh, write their resumes, they, they write it like they do their evals. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the it, hardest, the hardest thing I think for, for people getting out is being able to like, confidently tell your story about what you did and how does that translate into this new job function, you know, and it's like getting rid of all the military jargon and all the stuff that typically a recruiter knows nothing about the military or, or, or what your specific job was. So you have to, you know, convince them that you're going to fit into that role when a lot of people have never had experience in that specific role before too. So that's kind of the whole goal of that career accelerator program that we're doing at shift is like, you know, for instance, like myself, like I was in, you know, Navy EOD tech for 10 years and then with zero prior civilian experience transition into like selling software for a tech company. Um, 
if, if a typical recruiter was trying to make those connections, it'd probably be really hard, you know? So I had to, I had to be able to like confidently tell, okay, you know, well, how do I do you do presentations all day? Well, you know, I used to pitch like con ops and stuff like that. And it's just like getting, getting all that stuff that most military people did do, um, but getting them to like tell in a, in a way that a civilian is going to understand. And it's hard to recognize that within yourself too. I mean, like you said, to really see your, your next spot or your next, you know, cause you have to, I think you narrow it down at the beginning, like, this is what I don't want to do. And then start trying to figure out, you know, maybe this path, maybe that path, maybe that one. But then, you know, like you said, really trying to figure out how, you know, those skill sets that we just take for granted because we do them over and over again, like risk management and operational mm-hmm. planning and, you know, leadership, which, you know, we, we talked to uh, uh, past episode about really in depth. But, you know, th- those things, we just do it like it's nothing you know, research. I mean, we're all EOD guys. We research the shit out of everything because otherwise, you know, sometimes it'll kill us if we don't. Um, but we take all that for granted because we just do that every day and that's what's expected of us. But to go down a PD on a job description and try to do that bridging, you know, of, of those talents is sometimes, man, that's mind bending, you know, yeah. and then, then you go from leading folks to, you know, where it's not, I really didn't do any of that crap. Everybody else did, you know, I just, I just led them and, you know, and tried to keep, you know, the CO off their butts and, you know, try to keep the XO from, you know, crushing morale and, you know, try to, you know, all that kind of stuff, but that's not what the company wants to hear. They want to hear what I did. Yeah. So then you have to be a selfish bastard and <laughs> turn it all in from we to I, even though it'll feel like I'm lying my butt off, but that's what they want to hear. That's what you want to tell the story because it's a completely different strategy and that just takes a whole nother, you got to really flip your mindset around and it's a difficult thing to wrap your head around. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because I was doing one before I got on here, I was trying to translate something over for uh, talent management, talent acquisition type stuff. And I'm like, this shit, I do this in my sleep as a command master chief, but how do I, how do I convey this to, you know, corporate America and and how does that translate? And it's just, it's exhausting sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for sure. And it, I think it's like, it goes both ways. It's not only like on the veteran side, understanding what the civilian language languages, but also like, we have to understand what they mean on those job descriptions. Like for instance, like sales, like prospecting is really just research, right? Like, and we do that all day long. But if I read that two years ago, I would have no idea what that meant or how I could relate like my skills as an EOD tech to that when that's like, you know, if you're in any sales role, typically that's like what you spend most of your time doing is just researching companies that you want to reach out to, you know? Um, And like, as an EOD dude, like we're really good at that. And I I like that. It's fun to me. Like I like doing research and kind of like figuring out where I can like piece together network opportunities or like ask this person for a connection and, and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah. And like the other really cool thing that I think shift is doing is we spend so much time, um, when we do partner with companies, like our customer success managers spend so much time with their companies, teaching them about the military, like teaching them how they can read veteran resumes, how you should conduct interviews, because it's really different if they are committed to hiring veteran talent. Um, they have to be willing to kind of change the ways that they've been doing them normally for, for regular traditional talent. Um, so that's, that's another thing that like companies need to just be more open to is realize that if you really do want to start bringing on more non-traditional talent to your teams, um, the process has to be different for how you're hiring those folks than it is for regular traditional talent as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that we tend to do too is undervalue our skill sets too. I think veterans tend to undersell themselves and think, well, you know, uh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm quite qualified for that. I don't know if I could do that role where, you know, I think we just really, you know, a lot of times we do it, especially in special operations where you just say yes and we try to figure it out. But, you know, I think across the board, veterans will undersell themselves, you know, with regards to what their capabilities truly are you know, especially, you know, out in the corporate sector. Cause I think, you know, I can drive a forklift for Amazon sweet, you know, but you know, the vast majority of folks who've been leading 
you, you know, at the 10 year mark or, or more, they can run teams at Amazon. They, they yeah. shouldn't just be driving a forklift. You are under, under utilizing their talent or they're underselling themselves, which could put them, you know, three, you know, two, three years behind, or it could cause them to, you know, do that first year where, you know, veterans get out. And then within the first year, they're off to their next opportunity because the first one didn't work out for them for whatever reason may be. But I think a lot of times they feel like, you know, it was just, you know, taking that leapfrog to the next lily pad just to establish themselves and then, you know, really trying to normalize in their next, the new environment and then realizing really where their skill sets lie. Yeah. You, you hit on something there. And I think that's, there's like some bias that we have, right. Where we, we try not to, to toot our own horn too much because you know, you're, you're used to competing with these people that perform at these super high levels and I don't want to say that there aren't like top performing people out in the civilian world because I know that they are, but like, you know, that the average I think is, is based off of my experience and what I've seen is a little bit lower than, than what we're used to. And so we're kind of afraid to, you know, stick our neck out there and kind of make that leap of faith and say like, yes, I can do this. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to be like a top tier person at, at, you know, at this job and in this workforce. Um, so yeah, it just takes a little bit of, you know, getting comfortable with it and seeing like, Oh yeah. Wow. Those, all those, you know, those high human skills and stuff that I learned, those, those do kind of give me a, a significant advantage over the rest of the workforce there. You just don't know it yet. Right. You have to, yeah. You want to, you want to tiptoe in a little bit. I, I think that's the number one thing where we have an advantage in like the hiring process is just those soft skills that most military people have. Like I literally I've been like blown away since I've been in like the private sector with just like people's level of like communication and how they present and stuff like I'm shocked by how mediocre or like bad most people are at that stuff. Um, and I, I feel like for most military members, that just comes naturally because it's something that you're put in those positions normally from like a very junior level um, where you're, you're briefing people that are higher rank than you or put into leadership positions. Um, specifically if you come from like one of the smaller communities or like a special operations communities. I mean, that's like something you're doing when you're going throughout the training pipeline at school. So um, if, if people could just like hone in on those little soft skills and, and make those to like their, use those to their advantage, um, they have such a leg up on, on most people. So. Yeah. The, the uh, cohorts that shift does, could you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, you know, I'm, I, I've seen it. I don't know exactly what it entails or, you know, Are you talking about the career accelerators. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're four weeks long. Um, so there's, there's kind of two versions. We have the career accelerators, which are for um, veterans or people that already know specifically which one of those job functions they're looking to do, like the sales, customer success, et cetera. Um, and then there's navigating next, which is for active duty personnel that don't know what they want to do next. And basically the whole purpose of that is to, um, at the end, you would have picked a specific job function that you want to kind of focus in on. So very similar, I think, to, you know, what some of the other organizations are doing as far as like a, a why, like find your why or what you're passionate about. Um, like Mike mentioned, I think that's the hardest part for most people. Um, so the goal for, for us at the end is, you know, to have that figured out, hopefully have an idea of what size company do I want to go, go work for? You know, do I want to go work for Amazon or Microsoft, or do I want to go work for like a seed startup, like shift, like there's 30 people on our team, those, those organizations and work life, um, are going to look completely different if you're going to like a fortune 500 company versus a small startup. Um, so it's figuring out that. And then kind of, once you have that honed in on, it's like, okay, well, what specific job function do I want to do? Do I want to do operations? Do I want to do sales? Am I a coder? Do I want to do engineering? Um, so that's the goal of that navigating next. And then like typically someone that goes through navigating next 
once they pick that function that they want to focus on, they would roll right into a career accelerator. And that's going to be more of that deep dive into that specific job function. So they're going to bring in like experts every week to talk about, okay, what does sales look like at a fortune 500 company versus uh, a startup? Um, what are the different types of sales roles you can do? Um, we'll bring in certain companies that we're partnered with that are like hiring for sales jobs right there to kind of give people an inside look at this is what a day in the look life looks like at those specific companies. Um, they'll kind of hone in their resume to, you know, if you want to go after sales, okay, we need to make your resume look like you're going after a sales role, um, which is going to look much different than if you're someone that's like trying to go after operations. Um, and so that's kind of the goal of those four week career accelerator programs as well. Is it any kind of a, like pre-screening criteria that they have for that? Yeah, the, so all of the applicants, whether they're doing like Navigating Next or Career Accelerator, go through a pretty lengthy application process um, that also has like a human element. So actually veterans at shift will, will vet those applications too um, before they get accepted into one of those pipelines. And then once they get accepted into it, is there a cost associated with it? No, so none of the none of our candidates pay anything. Um, we we make all of our money from our hiring partners. Okay. Or, or the DOD, like the DOD pays for the Defense Ventures program. That's like a AFWorks um, created program that the DOD sponsors. That's interesting. How many people have you guys put through so far? For the Defense Ventures program, I believe there's, I think there's seven or eight cohorts. So it's been like over a hundred people for that. Yeah. And as far as like candidates, I mean, we have, so on our software at any one time, there's at least 120 people live on the tool. And then we add 20 new people every two weeks to each one of those talent spotlights. So, I mean, th thousands of people have come through the program so far. Wow. That's, I, I, you know, it's, I didn't even know about, I think you were kind of the person that I found out about shift from, cause I saw on LinkedIn, you were talking about it. And, and then I looked at it and I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is really cool. Cause we've had some other people, um, you know, talk, come on here and talk about other programs like that too. Like uh, military talent partners is one. We had uh, Natalie Oliverio. She's uh, uh, also a fellow mountaineer. Yeah. and uh former navy but uh yeah so that's that's good i you know it's it's sad that they don't talk more about organizations like this like when you're going through your official military transition that's one thing that i think they should definitely especially like for you guys where you sort of have like a partnership with the dod like why aren't they talking more about uh, programs like that? I tried. In transition. Man, I don't know. I, I tried so hard. Luckily, I knew like Mike just personally because we went through EOD school together. So that's how I ended up like setting up my skill bridge. And I was like one of the first people that Shift brought through for their skill bridge. So they were kind of, they used to be like, I would, some of these other organizations where it was like they were working and placing people like on a one-to-one -one level. Um, and they basically found out that was awesome. There's a lot of other companies doing that. How do we do this at scale? So that's why we bought the software or that's why we built the talent tool. So like most of the companies we work with now are committed to hiring five to 10 veterans at least in the next 12 months. Um, so we're really trying to like find organizations that want to bring in a bunch of military talent. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, this was something that was so frustrating to me with NSOFT too, because we were partnered, you know, NSOFT works with like elite me and the honor foundation as well. And we had kind of brought this to some of the commands and we're like, Hey, can we make this a part of, you know, when you go to, you, you tell your admin person, Hey, I'm getting out in a year or two years or whatever. They kind of like give you a packet of, okay, here's kind of like resources. This is all the stuff you need to do checklist wise. Like, why don't we make elite meet honor foundation shift all these organizations, a part of that packet. Um, and I don't know whatever happened to, to that conversation, but I think it kind of met deaf ears, um, which is unfortunate because 
you guys know, like if you went through TAPS, um, it, it's not really a great program depending on what you actually want to do when you get out, but they definitely don't mention any of these programs in TAPS or at least the one I went through. I think, you know, I think you got out maybe a year after I did something like that. December, 2019. Okay. So about a year and a half after I did. Yeah. I was I like my own personal story. I was really kind of mad when I went through uh tap the first time or Jeep, whatever they call it now. Um, you know, they, you hear all these stories like, Oh yeah, they're going to give you practice interviews and, and help you with your resume and stuff. And so the first day they had like the, you know, they, they talk about some of the basic stuff, the timeline of retirement. They talked about survivor benefit plan, which like literally like if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that the guy they had come in and talk about that was like getting commissions off of it. And that, <laughs> you know, when I, when I kind of learned about it and, and how it's not really that great of a deal kind of makes me mad that they, you know, the way they talk about it is like, yeah, this is your, this is it. This is what you need <laughs> right here. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of bullshit, bro. Like there's, there's a lot better stuff out there. Um, but, you know, we didn't, and then they had fleet and family services come in and like, here, you need a budget. There's your financial, you know, there's your financial brief. I'm like, what the hell was that? Right. Um, and so you kind of know what I do. Like I, I love going out and teaching all the, the stuff that I didn't know when I was a young guy and made all those stupid money mistakes. Um, but you know, then they had, uh, the VA disability, which that was okay. But the in between, they had the three days of department of labor. That was like the biggest waste of time. Mm -hmm. And at the time they were like, yeah, you don't have to be here for this. If you don't want to, the first time I went through it, I sat through it because I didn't know any better. Um, but like the second day we were working on resumes, I had been working on my resume already because I had, uh, you know, applied to an MBA program and I thought it was, it was pretty good. I had a bunch of people review it. The day that I was trying to like show it to this guy, they have one guy in there talking to 50 people who are retiring and it was just, it was a clown show. Like he's just going everywhere trying to help people. I called on him like seven or eight times and he's like, Hey, I'm coming to you next. And then somebody would grab him and be like, hey, can you check this? And he kept saying it to me. I got up in the middle of the class and I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> and, and, and I left, right? So the, they made me go through it again uh, because the first time I went through it wasn't within 12 months of when I retired. I went in the first day, uh, sat through what I had to sit through, and then I came back on Friday. I didn't even bother with the middle part it, that was the other thing that made me mad when they did the, the interviews, they had like three people sit in front of the whole class and they're like, yeah, everybody get dressed up like you would for a job interview. And so we all walk in thinking like, oh, okay, we're all going to get to do an interview. This dude asked those three people sitting in front of the class, like two questions each. Yeah, that, well. I had to go through it with like a bunch of E3s and E4s because like I they just lump it's like E6 and below. Yeah. So I was in there with a ton like of just like fleet E3s and E4s and like the whole time they were just talking about like basically like telling these people they should go get jobs at like Starbucks and like Chick-fil-A and stuff. And I was like, what is going on right now? Cause you know, there's like a big difference between like an E3 getting out from the fleet and like an E6 master tech getting out after 10 years in EOD. Um, and I was like looking at, you know, I was like, you know, I want to go get a job in like technology and like get like a real career. And the whole time they're just preaching these like entry level like roles that like you could get fresh out of high school for these kids, you know, which I get like maybe some of them, that's like probably what they're qualified for, but you just don't get, you need more, I think like one-on-one -on -one attention really when you're going through the transition process, which is why like, you know, the honor foundation and stuff like elite me is so, so valuable for people. But even those are, you know, not, not open to everyone. Like you have to typically come from like a special operations community or at least be uh, like an admin person at one of those communities. So um, it's, it's, it's really difficult if you don't know the right people, you know, which is kind of how the civilian <laughs> life goes too, right? Like it's all yeah. about your network for the most part. 
Well, you know, and I get it like with those official seminars, you know, their resources for that are finite. And, and I had a conversation with uh, Mark Overberg, who we did an episode with not too long ago. He's the director of Army's retirement services. And it was like, well, you know, really the job of the military is to kind of go out and fight and hopefully win our nation's wars. Um, you know, how, how much, how much do we want to commit to that? Like, I think that there was a little bit of responsibility on them to make sure people were prepared. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and I, I know the people that are there, I don't doubt their dedication at all, but they have a very narrow aperture of, of the world outside of the gov. Cause it's funny, like a lot of people that work there at the, the transition course or, you know, they were like veterans. They, yeah. they got a job there and now they're like, Hey, this is what I do. Right. They just stay there in that, inside that government bubble. And, you know, so it's like, why, why are, are you, you know, there's so many people out there that you could say, Hey, we want to bring in, you know, business people and, and hiring managers. And there's tons of people that would volunteer to do that. Um, yeah, but they're just like, outsource it. Like there's so many companies now that are like, they should just totally outsource that yeah. whole process and it would be a thousand times better than it is now. But then they say, well, we have to protect the service member. I'm like, give me a break, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, there's some scumbags out there that would come in and probably try to sell shit. And that's, you just monitor it, right? Uh, but I, yeah, same thing. I, I just, I was very... I was very dissatisfied with, with what I got from a, a transition education. And that's why I was like, okay, that's part of the, the whole impetus behind this podcast because there Mike and I were, you know, probably it was right about a year ago. We were sitting in Buffalo Wild Wings game went into overtime and seven tall boys later, we're like, <laughs> we should, you know, we should do a podcast about this. And so, Dude, yeah, now here the we best are. ideas are born. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing is too, you know, everywhere we move in the military, no matter where, you know, even if you move, we, even when I moved across commands at little Creek, when I went from, uh, was it mobile unit 12 to Naval special warfare group two, I got a sponsor to move across the base on little Creek. I was assigned a sponsor because it's a mandatory Navy program. When I came back from DC, I had a sponsor at NECC. I'd worked for NECC in one way, shape, or form for God before they were called NECC. You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't need a sponsor to find the Death Star. I know exactly where the Emperor sits. You know, so, but, but yet when we do one of the most significant, if not the most significant thing after we've been institutionalized, if it's four years, if it's 10, 20, 30, we don't sponsor somebody on the exit plan, you know, where I think that, you know, I think the VA has started some of this where they have some regional sponsor, you know, separation, or I can't remember what they call transition sponsors or something like that. I think that's, and Mark was talking about this in the episode, but I think that's a phenomenal idea because I think if you had somebody at least out there, a lifeline to lean on to go, oh, okay, what am I doing wrong here? Who should I reach out to? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a resume, you know, and then you have people like us who are pretty damn smart on this process and we've made our own mistakes. We go, well, hold on a second. Where are you coming? What community are you coming from? Uh, and if I can't get you that, then I can get you through these other nonprofits or some of these for-profits that are out there that are helping veterans. I mean, but you wouldn't know that. They're, like you said before, nobody in admin is going to give you this giant cheat sheet that says, no shit, here are all these other resources out here that you really need to leverage because we really didn't do you any favors at TGPS or TAP or whatever the hell we're going to call it tomorrow. So leverage these and go forth and conquer and, you know, and then here's some of the nuances and some of the things to think about and, you know, giving folks advice to, you know, to help them transition a little bit better. But, you know, we do it. We have a sponsor to move across base, like I said, but we don't have one when we do the probably the most significant thing in our adult life, I think, which is getting out of the military. That's such a, that's a great idea. That would be something that would be 
fairly probably super easy to implement too you know like all the commands know who's gotten out in the past couple years like okay and we're all everyone would be willing to do that right like i've got so much help from guys that got out before me like that's that's why i am where i am today and so we all i think most most veterans want to give back to the community in one way shape or form and that would be such a powerful thing to do that'd be awesome well i mean the army already has that right uh, well they have it for retirement Pete. they have the retirement service officers mm-hmm. uh which i think is a great idea um but yeah having that on a on another level like hey you know can we vol- have people volunteer for this um yeah I, I that's one thing that i've learned you know in the last three and a half years is like hey man veterans love helping other veterans um so i definitely think It'd be great if they could figure out a way to do that and and get more people to volunteer to coach folks who are on their way out. But, you know, I think with that, if if you're going to get a coach, a guide like that, that you understand that you have some responsibilities towards that relationship as well. Right. So you don't because it's just a waste of time if you put somebody in touch with a coach and then you don't ever leverage that person. I mean, I, you know, I've had that before at the honor foundation as a coach where, you know, I've had people like the first guy I ever coached, I, you know, still chat with them occasionally, very in tune, uh, very involved, put a lot of effort into it. And he got a lot out of it. Um, you know, I helped him, you know, I made an introduction, uh, between him and another guy that I had worked with previously that, that worked in an industry that he hadn't considered. And he was like, yeah, I like that. That's what I'm going to do. Right. Nice. Um, you know, I had a guy where it's like, Hey, do you want to chat today? I'm, I'm free this week. I'm free. Here's the days that I'm free this week. Let's hop on a call. He'd be like, all right. Yeah. I've, I've been really busy at work. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't know yeah. what happened to him. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, people have to take the responsibility for their own transition and obviously not expect things to be just giving to them, which I think unfortunately some people do kind of have that where it's like everything is going to be laid out for me and I'm going to follow this perfect plan. And like, we all know that's not the case. Um, so you really have to do, and I think a lot of people don't realize how Mike, like you were saying, how serious that, that process is or that transition and not only how much it can affect your professional life, but just like you in general. And like so many people you're leaving, you know, like the team that you've been with for X amount of years. And then you're going into this completely different world where the culture is so much different and you don't have your, your boys or, you know, all your friends around you every day. That was something I, I was struggled a lot with, like for the first year when I was working on stasis, cause I, I was by myself all day. Like I didn't have all my friends that I had been seeing every day for like 10 years, you know, and it's like, I didn't realize how much that would affect like my mental health too. So there's, it's a lot of pressure when you're getting out, if you don't have all your ducks lined up in a row. So people have to realize like, you gotta, you gotta put some time and effort into to doing this. It's not just going to happen overnight. Well, I, I know there's a, a few guys from your generation too, that are out there doing some good stuff, um, which we need, I think we need to get Pete, Pete Doris on here too. Yeah. Um, he just started at Rivian yeah. a couple months ago. So he's, he's crushing it. Yeah. Doing which they're doing some good stuff with electric vehicles. If you haven't, that's, that's one that I've been following really close. Pete, if you're listening to this, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. Get you- I'll, I'll, I'll have to tell him I was actually just out. I just visited him a couple months ago. Um, he just had his second little baby girl like a week ago. So oh, congrats, damn. Pete, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Congrats. I just, and I just saw Traven a few weeks ago. So oh, wanna, what's, yeah. what's, is he still in? I haven't talked to him. In the, he's, he's getting yeah. out sometime. He's probably getting out sometime next year. We'll see. Okay. I just told him, I was like, man, it's, I wasted all that time trying to mentor <laughs> you. And then you made chief and now you're getting out. And <laughs> is he at P, that PC still? No, he's at, he's at Mayport. Um, okay. But I went and hung out with him. I, you know, I was down in Florida uh, I did a couple of speaking engagements down there with some folks who were getting out and, uh, you know, went out and saw him and his wife. We went and had some margaritas and, you know, I had to mess with him a little bit because, you know, how jumpy he gets when you. <laughs> so, 
No, it, it was good to see him, but yeah, he's, I think he's getting out too. So I'll have him come out. He's, he wants to start his own business, right? Okay. So I want to tell him to reach out. I don't know. Do you guys have anything for entrepreneurs or, or aspiring entrepreneurs? Um, no, but there is other organizations. There's a, a ton of other like nonprofits that help vets out with like entrepreneur stuff that I could put them in contact with. Yeah. And if you could share that info with us too, because we might invite some people on to, to talk about that. So yeah, I'll send you a text here in a little bit with his number and, or I'll send him your number and tell him I'll put the onus on him. Cause he's like, well, you know, I want to start a business. And I was like, how far out are you? He's like, uh, like a little over a year. And I'm like, and you want to start a business? He goes, is it too soon? And I'm like, actually <laughs> you're about two years too late. You should have started the business a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, so it would be up and running. I figured you know. he'd like want to start a farm or something. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he had a good idea. He was telling me about it and I was like, okay, that sounds good. But maybe when you get out, you, you go work for somebody else who's doing that for a little bit because you don't know the ins and outs of that business and working with people. And there's a lot that you're going to pick up working for somebody else for a year. And then you, you take everything that you've learned for them and go out and in the world on your own and crush them. And, uh, you know, you take over, right. The, the game of Thrones, but, uh, yeah, no, that's (laughs) maybe you could help him out with that. So yeah, for sure. Tell him to hit me up. I'd love to talk to him. It's been years since I haven't talked to him since he left mobile at six. Yeah. And that was, well, that was right, right. When I retired, so that would have been 2018. So, and old Jake, he's, I think he's going to Spain here soon. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I haven't, I'm like the only people I talk to now still are like Jody Clayton and, uh, and Pete and Zach Roberts. Those are kind of like my little, my tripod. (laughs) I saw Jody not too long ago. I think he's on like his 12th platoon leader tour. He got out. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah. 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 I was like, I was like, why did you get out to join the reserves? Dude, that makes no sense to me. But what a, he's about to leave. Uh, he's going on deployment to Bahrain in like a couple of weeks, I think. So he could deploy some more. That's yeah. exactly what he did. He didn't uh, want to get sucked into doing some ops job. <laughs> he, he has had the best career for a, an officer ever, like in the history of officers. <laughs> you know, it's funny too, because I talk about that, that, you know, especially like young people want to join the military. They're like, well, you don't want to go be an officer, you know, cause they get to run everything. And I'm like, <laughs> they get to run everything, but they're running it from a desk, right? You get to do one maybe two operational tours unless you're Jody Clayton and you do like, you know, seven, seven or eight. Um, but that is the exception rather than the rule. And I know some other guys too. Um, it's sad because we get some really impressive talent in, in the EOD community. And I won't say his name on here. So don't hurt any career prospects he's got, but a very smart guy went to the Naval Academy, graduated there, went straight to Harvard, got his master's. Uh, Very smart dude, very relatable down to earth guy. He's like, man, if they would let me just be a platoon leader for 20 years, I would totally do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just retire as an 03. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of bad. sad that they won't let you do that. But uh Ah. apparently jody figured out the secret sauce (laughs) (laughs) he cracked the da vinci code yeah he's like an 04 as an oic still i was like dude what how did you he was just always in the right place at the right time when someone would get fired and he would like snaggle his way into that position somehow (laughs) yeah I, i mean i get that that's that's what happened to me you know that's why i did so many deployments just back to back. I was on the six months on six months off program for like literally years because, you know, I was single. I wasn't married uh, or of course I wasn't married. I was single. I didn't have kids. You know, the, the worst thing I would have to do, they'd be like, Hey, can you deploy in like six weeks of like, yeah, I'll just go drop my dog off at my mom's and get my shots and then I'll be ready to go. Right. So um, that worked great for me for a long time, but uh you know, for the officers, not so much. So, but no, man, uh, well, I'm glad to see that you're out there doing good stuff. And I, I think shift 
is a pretty awesome organization. I definitely recommend if you guys haven't seen it, if you're listening to this, go check it out and see if there's an opportunity there for you. So Josh, what, what, uh, as far as, you know, kind of lessons you've learned through your transition, what do you want to put out there to the crowd? I think the biggest ones are for anyone are just like start earlier than you think you need to. Right. Like I, I went through the honor foundation when I was 24 plus months out from actually getting out. And I feel like that was still maybe a little too late, you know, so start, start planning um, early and use your network. Um, Ask other veterans that, you know, have made the transition before you. Um, like Mike mentioned, the hardest thing that I see over and over again are like figuring out what you want to do um, as far as like the size of company or specific industry that you want to get in. I think that's the, the number one thing that you should try to hone in on first. And then um, after that, what specific job function do you want to do after that? Um, and then just practice, you know, just like with anything else, like you got to practice your your pitch and your, your interview skills and all that stuff. So just use, use your network, use other veterans that are out there before and don't be afraid to, to ask questions, you know? Good stuff, man. Well, I'm glad that you're doing, uh, uh, doing some good work out there for other vets. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and chat with us and, and share what you've learned. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on guys. Um, love the show. Love what you guys are doing. So Happy to help out in any way I can. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Make sure you listen to next week's episode, uh, which <laughs> yours will come out the week after the next one, but uh, it's going to be good. So, of course, by now, by the time this gets out, everybody will have already heard it. So, <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks, Trevor and Mike. Good to catch up with you guys. Chat yeah, man, good soon. seeing you. All Take right, care. Coming on. Take care. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet. <laughs>